Welcome to Charm the Water. My name is Aaron David. This is Day of Jupiter. Uh, I want to first say something about trading and admit, confess that I've been math blind and one of those people like, eh, it's just it's too hard. I can't do it. I don't know how to do it. Well, I sat down and I did it. And it's what Einstein called the most powerful force in the universe, compound interest. And, you know, I wish somebody would have sat down and done this with me when I was in second or third grade because I would have a lot of money. Um, compound interest is amazing. And what I've learned is that, you know, learning a trading, the trading skill, capturing a little bit of lightning in a bottle every day, day trading, uh, Forex, that's, that's a skill, but unless you have the money management side down, it's not, you're not going to go anywhere. Um, this is the secret sauce and I've been math blind, willfully math blind. So now that I have this, I feel like it's all, all my ducks are in a row. You know, I may be wrong. There may be some ducks that need rearranging later or found I'm, I'm missing another duck or something like that. But as far as I can tell, uh, after this period, this trial by fire period, it's lasted years, they're finally in a row. Um, and I say this, you know, going back years to when I first came around Raja Banks of Wix Don't Lie, and he was talking about shooting for 5% a day, it seemed impossible. I could not do it. Um, however, let me explain leveraging. Uh, in the United States, by law, you are allowed up to 1 to 50 leveraging. Uh, FTMO, which is in Prague, uh, the industry norm is 1 to 100 leveraging. So that's what I've been trading with over eight challenges that have gone over a year. Um, that's the trial by fire I've been in, as well as mentorship. And so I, I came, I, it's, it's like boot camp. Uh, really tight is what I learned to be. Um, it was a wonderful learning process. Now that I've stepped back into a small account, uh, it's, just, it's just like a new level of understanding what I can do with a with FTMO, which was shoot for half a percent to one percent, trading my own small account with one to five hundred leveraging. I can do the same amount of damage with a $1,000 account that I could do with a $10,000 account on FTMO. So shooting for 5% a day is like shooting for that 1% with FTMO. And uh, it is extraordinarily doable. Um, I just achieved that goal today and did well the last couple of days. And the pressure that was there... And the challenges is off. That was screwing me over so bad. And I was relating it to the stress of Little League. Now, I, you know, it's not that I was terrible at baseball. But when it was a live game, my nerves would just destroy any ability that I had. <clears throat> Same thing with those challenges. That, that 
stress of feeling like there's a clock counting down, which there was, uh, is gone. <clears throat> so 5% a day, or let's say a trade, um, that's 25% a week. And just start out with a thousand dollars. Do the compound interest figures of 25% a week. And you can see really quickly what Raja said uh, makes sense. He was talking about working within the context of very high leverage. And um, this before would be something that would damage me because I didn't know how to properly execute with this high of leverage. And I would always just end up, you know, blowing out. (laughs) But after being in FTMO for over a year, uh, with their very strict risk parameters, as I say, I believe that for the first time, all the ducks are in a row now that I'm no longer math blind. And the secret sauce, this is the core of money management. I've finally seen it. So, Kelly, I told this to, and she didn't seem to get too excited, but for me, it's like we're at a whole new level. Uh, We've pushed through a wall. Um, Ganesh kind of put the wall there, and he's, he's finally like, okay, you're ready to move through to the next, next level. And this has been happening simultaneously with the occult stuff and it's kind of like being on a train and you know you're in motion all of a sudden you're traveling and you may not know the route or may not even know the all the specifics of the destination you know you may know you're going to the uh inner city but you don't know like what neighborhood or what streets are these going to be like what's it going to look like it's your first time through all you know is you're in motion and you're traveling and you're going and uh, you just got to deal with it in the present and continue you know not freak out and uh, there's been some really interesting stuff with this Anubis and this is like one of those trains it's hauling ass it's like one of those um, uh, monorail things that's like hauling ass through Japan like this thing is like moving Um, this started with me doing dice divination several shows ago asking which goetic spirit I should go to for help with trading so Long story short, I was saying the wrong numbers. They didn't add up to 22, but what I rolled was adding up to a 22. I just didn't get the numbers right talking about it in that show. Uh, So 22nd Spirit, Kia Solomon, we get Ipus. And um, Ipus's seal is very symmetrical. And for me, it's very easy to visualize. And... uh, you know, I started the process with the forge. We tried to melt it once. We did we got some meltage, but the copper did not go and didn't get it hot enough. And I've just kind of had it on the back burner <laughs> uh, since then. So Kelly keeps messaging me about this 
lunar eclipse. I don't know why she's that excited about it because I'm kind of like fearful. Like I don't want to be wake up in the midst of screaming or, you know, I don't, it's, it's intense enough around here without lunar eclipses. <laughs> uh, but I'm like, part of me is like, you're going to have to, you're going to have to create the seal in the lunar eclipse. And I'm like, no, that's a terrible idea. Why would I do that? I'm going to get this house haunted or something. And it's like, yeah, you're going to create the seal in the lunar eclipse. And I'm like, oh my God, really? So that's what it looks like. Uh, This is how I, this is my modus operandi. I'm like arguing with these things that seem inedible that I don't want to do that I end up doing. This seems this is how the whole trithemius um, spheres were traversed. I was like, no, I don't I don't really th- did you see what happened in the first one and you want me to go and do this again? Like, come on, no, no. And then I end up just like I have to. It's weird. It's weird how that works. So, I, yeah, I guess, I guess I'm going to prepare tonight uh, because this lunar eclipse is kicking off at like 4 a.m. or something. So I'm going to prepare uh, my... It's not the forge. I guess we call it what? I'm worried about the crucible. And it may need... I do think I need to create another crucible out of a small propane canister. Empty, of course, because uh, the last couple of rounds through the the uh, furnace have uh, pretty much taken out my first crucible. It's not in that great a shape. And this is expected with DIY propane crucibles. But uh, yeah, so that's, I got to do that today. And um, what blew my mind around this is uh, that so Ibis and all of this Anubis stuff has kind of unfolded at the same time Um, I mean you can go back in the shows and listen to exactly how it unfolded and uh, I'm looking online reading stuff on Ibis the Goetic Spirit and all of a sudden in S. Connolly's description which, if you don't know who S. Connolly is, um, I've never been that drawn to her work. I look at her work as kind of like, like we were talking about Jose Silva's mind control method being a self-religion. Um, it's kind of how I look. I was drawn to more traditional things, and S. Connolly has demonolatry, which I look as kind of like a self-religion around Goetia. And I, I just, you know, I don't have an ear of books, never been that drawn, but I know that, you know, Rufus Opus has talked about her more than once. There's a video of her and Lon Milo Duquette um, giving a conference somewhere together, giving a lecture together, which is interesting. Whoever threw them in a room together, and that's going back years ago. Uh, but uh, yeah, she's the demonolatry, demonolatress, and uh, there in her description of Ipus, she's listed Anubis. I have no idea. 
I almost want to reach out to her and contact her and be like, why did you do that? Um, because right now the best conclusion that I can draw is that she had some sort of Anubis experience herself. Subjective gnosis. <laughs> Individual subjective gnosis. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> Uh, but something else kind of strange is I went to uh, put in a GIF and I typed Anubis and Ipis's seal pops up with Anubis written across it. And that has to be because of S. Connolly. As I said, I don't know of anybody else that has listed Anubis in with the description of Ipis. I have no idea. Uh, it seemed crazy to me when I saw it. I was like, you know, one of those eye rolls, but not really. Not not when they come up at the same time for me. Um, only thing I conclude is there must be something there, and the only way I can really find out is to create <laughs> create Ipis's seal during the lunar eclipse tomorrow. That's my uh, that's how my head works. I also could message S. Conley, but you know what? I almost just rather die than rather reach out and communicate by message or email or telephone. I just dread it. I just dread it. If you ever see me on the phone, you know there's some kind of personal emergency going on. Because <laughs> otherwise, I'm not going to be on the phone other than it's me right now talking into it and uh, talking to myself. Oh, Lord. I don't know what to make of that. Pretty wild. So, um, yeah, I would like to get my hands on some more silver uh, I do have more silver, but it's in a Lunar Mojo bag. And I I don't feel like it would be right to take the Mojo bag a, apart and essentially salvage the silver. It's like, I feel like, I feel like my talismans are like something akin to plants or pets. And just like, to do that would, in my mind, be dismembering it. Like, I just couldn't bring myself to do it. Uh, so, I gotta maybe do that as well today, is look for some more silver around here. And it's hard, because a lot of the jewelry... I'm not an expert. And some things I thought were silver, I don't think were silver. Maybe silver plated. So, I've already pulled that out. And, uh, yeah, other than that, going back to the plan of the lump coal or whatever it is, I forget what the name of it is now, that I was talking about a few episodes ago and, um, starting it this time in the charcoal starter to try to get it really hot before I even put it in the furnace, uh, and then put the crucible in. So that's going to be your project for today. And, uh, I feel absolutely uneasy about this. 
especially the lunar eclipse. Um, but generally, that's a sign um, to I should do it. It's like pushing into the fear. <clears throat> and me going back to that. Uh, we're afraid of the truth. So the truth wears the mask of fear. I think if I ever had a quote, that may be it. I don't know if it makes as much sense as I think it does. But wherever there's fear, that's where I want to go. Um, because that's where I can grow. That's another quote. How good is that one? <laughs> Um, so yeah, other people see this as, uh, a, uh, satanic thing. Um, but I think in, in Eastern places where there's not this, uh, Abrahamic dualism, uh, I, I wonder what that's like, uh, to push into mysticism in a more non-dualistic culture. I wonder what that headspace feels like because uh, it's very difficult uh, for me having a very religious background. There's a lot more fear there is what I feel. Maybe that's wrong uh, because if you face, you know, every time somebody in the Old Testament came across an angel the first thing they did was fall on their face and start shaking. And, you know, there's all these people in, in the charismatic movement. Yeah, I saw an angel came and told me this and that. I got the prophecy. I'm like, yeah, right. You would not be recovered yet if you had a true encounter. Uh, because, I mean, there it is, right? In, in these scriptures... These spiritual encounters leave people freaking shook, uh, and changes changes everything. So, um, yeah, I, that's the last thing a religious person would want is their own spiritual experience, their own real spiritual experience, uh, because there's such comfort in that pew or for a cultist there's such comfort in the armchair of the library uh, you know it's all in a uh, intellectual pursuit where you can pretend knowledge and uh, going back to what goat told me they are all liars I think the armchair and the pew their product is the liar. And uh, so that's a little bit of the reasoning why I do what I do. I mean, I don't even really know. I don't know what makes a person start with spirit conjuration. Although, you know, my story of my life essentially falling apart and just out of desperation, I, I think that's, that's where it begins for most people. Um, the shamanic dismemberment happening happening on a uh, a life scale. Uh, so yeah, um, I guess I'm gonna get off here. I, I just I'm really excited because I feel like in such a place of 
just kind of like finally we're, we're, we're the plane is taking off uh, I did want to say that last night as I was thinking about all the Anubis wolf stuff I'm just kind of going over it and over it and over it in my head uh, I had found earlier that day uh, it's from the Greco-Roman period 1st to 5th century AD uh, it was purchased by M. Naman in Egypt and it is a magical gem it's got an Anubis figure and it looks like he's either holding a spear or a staff with a serpent on top of it that almost looks like a Libra symbol it's not the typical caduceus uh, wound spiraling serpent it's uh looks more like a Libra uh, symbol sitting on top of a staff. It's hard to tell. Uh, And it says, it's got an inscription that reads, Tyke, or Good Luck. And it's on Niccolo Onyx. And I've never seen Niccolo Onyx. I've never seen anything like this. It looks like it's made of pearl it's like this white silvery it's really beautiful and after seeing that uh, that's what I want to do as a physical evidence of membership in the church of Anubis or the uh, temple of Hermanibus or however we go about uh, this I am absolutely serious and when I say that I want to found a church um, and it would be just absolutely terrific if I could figure out a way to be <clears throat> a lawful non-exempt church and if I could find a way for that church to hire me as a trader like I said, I don't know if that could be possible, but it's something we got to look into. If not, then I'll have to start another company uh, for that specific reason. And, but nevertheless, this thing would still carry forward, even if that's not possible. Uh, just because I, I feel like it's where the train is headed. Uh, it's going of its own accord. You know, I can't change the tracks. Uh, so the point of it all, as I've said, is uh, initiation. And it's not like you know, initiation is not within my power to grant people. Uh, that's not how it worked for me. Um, but Rufus Opus was a big part of how I got there. And so if I can provide that in as, as simplistic, and straightforward way as Rufus Opus had presented it to me that's the goal and of course in today's world this would be a the large internet presence but I feel like in the future if I could purchase land and have a physical temple of Anubis somewhere that people could come to for initiation, this would be tremendous. This is the future vision. Uh, however, 
I happened to come across something on YouTube I'd not seen before, not heard before. This was in a uh, area called Damascus that's very close to Portland, Oregon. Um, sounds very rural. Said that it has a population of about 10,000 people. And it is the home of a property at the end of a cul-de-sac in a residential area called Oculus Anubis. Never heard of it before. Uh, I came across a couple of YouTube videos that were kind of like, kind of iffy. <laughs> but apparently, this place, it's amazing from what I could see of it. It's got a very huge gate, uh, two lions, and looks like the figure of Sekhmet beyond the gate standing huge, immense, tall statue. And there's some pyramids on the property. The guy and his father were in um, whatever you call an eye doctor. Which, this is interesting themes. Very interesting themes. Uh, They were both eye doctors. Optricians or whatever you call them. Ophthologists? I don't know. Um, Ornithopter. (laughs) Um... They were scamming the United States government and giving people really expensive tests that they didn't need and then charging insurance and stuff like that. Which, I mean, that's that's normal practice. I remember when I had an ear infection, I went to the doctor and they ran me through all of this machinery. I was like, dude, just, I've got an ear infection. Give me some antibiotics. I spent an hour taking all of these ridiculous tests on this machinery stuff. I think it's a normal practice to do what these this father and son. But nevertheless, they were probably doing it on a ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous level. Because they built $2 million worth of stuff on this property, Oculus Anubis. And not only is there a large, looks like, circular temple space with pillars around it um, something akin to an amphitheater Um, there's pyramid there's statues there's what looks like an entrance to the underworld and there's rumors uh, that there's all kinds of underground tunnels and they showed building permits and there's a large unfinished structure that they they never had time to finish the building Because they went to prison. (laughs) And this is in a residential area. And the neighbors are so disgusted with these guys. Um, Apparently, I don't know if it's the... uh, There are two women there. Um, One's the former daughter-in-law. And I don't know if the other woman was the, the wife. I'm not sure. But there's dispute as to who owns it. And uh, it sounds like a giant mess. And all of the neighbors are disgusted by it because uh, they don't want people coming there. People come there. Think about this. It's in a rural area. You know, 10,000 people. Um, They, the people I saw interviewed, uh, you, you know, we're in America. People are like, 
they're Christian, whether they know it or not, that's where their values are, even if they don't proclaim Christianity. The value system, you know, all the horror movies are anti-demon. <laughs> so this has become like a place. Kids will come, do drugs, drink, knock over the lions, you know, call it satanic, be like, I'm going to go tear up. It's the entrance way to hell and all this stuff. Um, so the neighbors are sick of it. And it sounds like the owner, whoever it is, is having a horrible time and has had to install cameras all over the place. Uh, so I realized after I watched this, one, holy hell, what would inspire a father and son to essentially rob the government of over $2 million to create this Oculus Anubis? Why would they have such dedication to Anubis and it certainly looks like a ritual site um, that had to be their intent was gatherings. I don't think there's any any uh, any doubt looking at the place that that seems what it it like a Bohemian Grove type setup with the owl. You know, it looks like it's meant for ritual, which is. I find extraordinarily awesome and what I wanted to do. <laughs> but uh, I've realized not only should they not have stolen the money scamming uh, because that would be an incredible offense to Anubis who despises liars and who holds the heart and will judge it. I mean, I don't know why they thought that would be a good idea. Um, they're bankrupt now. The the This has created chaos in the community. But other than those two things, it was a good idea. So, <laughs> uh, I've realized I would not want it anywhere near a residential area uh, because I would not want to create what's happened here uh, the villagers have gathered their pitchforks so that's something I had not thought about um, I forgot momentarily about uh, the culture and it wasn't that long ago they were burning burning people such as myself burning us alive it's insane isn't it so ideally would be a very uh, lonely mountaintop it's got me thinking about secrecy too uh, offering membership Um, you know it used to infuriate me the secrecy around occultism but after seeing that Oculus Anubis and the attitudes of the community, I thought not only should any temple be far away from prying eyes, uh, but perhaps membership uh, should be secret. Maybe they were on to something with that 
you know, powers of the Sphinx and silence and, you know, super secret stuff. Maybe they were onto something, which uh, brings into question how much I should continue to talk about it uh, publicly through a podcast. And maybe I'm just being a little paranoid after, uh, after seeing that, because, I mean, America is also the place we have the Church of Satan, the Temple of Set, and these kind of uh, over-the-top uh, dark fluff as uh, Jake Stratton Kent calls it, but you know, I, maybe the answer is to move to the West Coast because the, everything is much more uh, relaxed compared to the East Coast with its uh, judgment and gossip is what you get uh, over here in the Southeast United States. There's an episode of Andy Griffith that deals with... I feel it like it's Andy Griffith's dealing... It, it's a critique of the South. It's the episode where... Uh, the police from the city, big city, come... And they tell them there's going to be a gold shipment. And just within the period of 24 hours... The entire, entire town of Mayberry knows about the gold shipment because of gossip and uh, ends up with like a huge parade out on the street waiting for the the gold truck and uh, it's like huge chaos and then at the end of the show you find out that the uh, the US government these officials had picked Mayberry as uh, the decoy because they knew they were such gossipers that word would get out and that this would make an excellent decoy route. And so that they knew they were a bunch of gossipers was the point <laughs> the point of the show. And I think it was Andy Griffith's critique of the South. This is, you know, the South's good for a number of reasons. And Andy Griffith came to California, came to Hollywood, to show the rest of the United States like you know what the south had that was good and also you get to see what what's bad and he nailed it on the head he nailed it. there are no more nosy gossipy judgmental people than here i've never lived anywhere else if there's anywhere else that they get any nosier or gossipier i would not want to live there but my feeling is that this is why uh, the majority of people I grew up with moved to California or Colorado. Um, might be a good idea. We also have the watcher who is in the West, Anubis. So maybe maybe heading westward is in my future. I don't know. Uh, you know, the future is open. You know, um, it's just, I feel such a calm even though it's it, there's still a lot of work to do uh it's like i'm not been dangled over the abyss in my life situation now i feel like there's there's a very sure path to walk and all i have to do is stay on it so uh just take one day at a time and do what i know to do uh with trading and with the magical path and both are extraordinarily real for me. 
Uh, it's not a not a place of fantasy in one days. Uh, this is the day. <laughs> so uh, with that, until next time.